you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Okay, this is the final straw. Well, hey, that's just one of the questions we're going to be looking at today. Somebody's describing their work situation. Says, all right, I'm out of here. Well, if you've got that feeling, hang on. We're going to be talking about what some alternatives are. Got a lot to share today. Questions from you, the listeners. I just got back from Social Media Marketing World in San Diego. Full of new ideas about social media, how we can use it, and how we can uh, get trapped in it as well. So we'll be looking at some of those things as we go along today. Got some success stories to weave into the questions today. I want to get right into the content. Here's some of the things we will be looking at, though. Somebody says, after eight years at this company, this is the final straw. I'm out of here. Adios, amigos. Dan, how can one start doing something that he loves, realizing that it must not require his presence in order to be successful? Now, that comes from a Michael Gerber concept out of the E-Myth. We'll look at that. It's kind of a, a circular argument in some ways, but I'll explain how you can, in fact, do that. After seven months at a job my husband adored, he was unexpectedly fired. My dream job is to create an outdoor television show that inspires families to explore their natural state parks. How do I make this profitable? Well, here's a quotation for today. This is just an old proverb that says, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. I want to talk about that a little bit because I hear from a lot of people. Here's an example. A lady in a comment in one of the forums on 48days.net said she really needs a coach that she can't afford a coach, but she really needs a coach to get her unstuck, you know, and until someone is just willing to work with her for nothing, you know, her life is just pretty much on hold. Well, she had a lot of specific comments about that, but I wanted to respond to that and which I did but here's my observation. When somebody is really motivated to increase their learning, to expand their thinking, to see new ideas, to get ahead, to have more success, to be more financially prosperous, I mean, any of those things, if they're really motivated to do that, it just seems they figure out ways to do it. Now, what I responded to this lady in the forum question was this. It took me back to a time a few years ago, quite a few years ago, when I completed my master's degree program. Got my master's degree in clinical psychology and I did my thesis. So as part of my, as the research for my thesis, I ran experiential growth groups. Remember back when we had those fancy titles, you know, for all those groups that we encounter groups? Well, mine were experiential growth groups. So I promoted on campus where I was getting my master's that I was going to be doing these growth groups where we'd help you increase your self-actualization and all those wonderful terms we were going to do. Well, I had about 200 kids show up who wanted to be part of those groups. So here's what I did. 
I split the group just randomly right down the middle. And I said, okay, half of you are going to be in the groups right now. We're going to get you started in groups. I had other um, graduate students who were going to be leading some of those. I had it all set up. So we put half of those people in the groups. And I said, the rest of you are going to be able to start six weeks from now when we finish the first round through. But here's what we did. We measured using it was Everett Shostrom's POI, Personal Orientation Inventory. We measured levels of self-actualization in those students at the beginning of the six weeks. All 200 of them. All right. So then 100 of them were in the growth groups. where We did all these fancy things to help them really self-actualize and all. And at the end of that period of time, we again tested using the same inventory, all 200 both those who had been in the growth groups and those who had not been up until that point. Guess what? They all showed dramatic increases in their self-actualization. Now, previous studies have always used control groups that were matched for age, sex, race, education, whatever, income level, like that. So, but it was they were missing the critical factor. That being... My study showed that if somebody is motivated toward personal growth, they're going to get it, even if they aren't connected in a fancy growth group and even if they don't have a personal coach working with them and so on. And I've observed that time and time again, that if somebody is really motivated toward personal growth, you can't stop them. They don't have to have any one particular thing in order to really release them. Now, do I believe in coaching? Absolutely. I mean, I'm not just saying, you know, just everybody's on their own. I mean, I get coaching for anything where I want rapid improvement. But this old adage really is true when the student is ready, the teacher appears in a lot of different forms. And what I told this lady is I'm confident that with your motivation for growth, you're going to make it happen even without a traditional coaching agreement. The reading, online resources, mastermind groups, personal planning, you know, all those things you can do on your own will allow you to bypass even those who get coaching who may have less motivation and drive. The key is your motivation. Now, I, I hope that you hear that, if nothing else, in today's podcast, that you really understand that. The door is wide open to you. And it's not some magic seminar or workshop or coaching program or book. It's the mindset. It's when you really have the mindset. I mean, I was talking yesterday with Brian Holmes, one of our coaching mastery guys, you know, great guy. He's got a big audience, produces lots of products, speaks, does videos and all that. Well, he's looking at a new direction. He's kind of refining what he wants to do. But there are some pieces that would have to kind of come together. And guess what? As soon as he got clear on what it is he wanted to do, he had a group say, well, wow, we've got a, a venue. We've got a conference room that seats 300 people. You can use it anytime you want to, no cost at all. He's got some other people saying, wow, we want to be a part of what you're doing, what you're talking about. We'll provide these resources. And it just went on and on and on. I mean, it was just like dominoes. Once he got clear on what he wanted to do, how the doors started opening. And I do believe that's the way that it happens. Well, let's move right into some other questions here. This comes... From Ronika, who says, thanks for your podcast. It's given me a lot to think about over the last few months, and I've recommended it to my family and friends. I've realized my passion is prenatal education, and I just started nursing school to pursue a career in obstetric nursing. 
My question is this, are there things I can do before I graduate from college? I feel like I have enough information and knowledge and experience to be able to offer a lot of information, but worry that no one will take me seriously in this type of field until I have some letters following my name. Will anyone follow a blog or buy a book about pregnancy from a nursing student on the internet? Well, here's the deal. When we look for information today, we can find it in a whole lot of places, just like what I was just describing. When I have questions about health concerns, you know where I usually go first? I talk to the gals at Whole Foods. They are incredibly knowledgeable about pretty much anything. If it's a digestive issue, if it's a sleep issue, if it's a skin issue, whatever it is. I mean, those gals are my first line of approach to get great information and help and guidance in health issues. Now, certainly, you know, we use medical professionals. Will people take you seriously about prenatal education before you have a degree? Frankly, people don't care what letters you have after your name. They're looking for, is your information relevant and helpful? Now, if you look, just just go look like a prenatal education. You're going to find people like wellnessmama.com, who's just a mom of five kids. And she's talking to people about prenatal health, education, just exactly like what you're talking about, has a big audience. If you look for things, let's take something specific like autism. I mean, that's a tough kind of thing for parents to be confronted with. You know who's given most information about that? Moms and dads of kids with autism. Those are the ones who are doing that. We've got a lady, Maritza, in our coaching program who is doing exactly that. She has a child with autism. She's an amazing coach for other parents walking through that process. But you can go to sites like scarymommy.com. She has a she has a blog up right now. What not to say to a parent of an autistic child? She has 122 comments on her blog, scarymommy.com, because she talks about being a parent of an autistic child. Yeah, you can do exactly what you're talking about. Look at the things that we where we draw information. The, the medical field has become much more open in the last few years. Look at a midwife. I mean, there are a lot of people who would prefer a midwife over an MD in obstetrics to deliver their baby. What about a doula? Yeah, I'm sure you're familiar with that concept, D-O-U-L-A. I mean, those are ladies who help in the process of labor and childbirth. I mean, in many parts of the world, that's all you're going to have, a doula. And it doesn't, it doesn't really require even specific academic training. I mean, anybody can call themselves a doula. Now, there are certification programs, but again, these are people helping people. If you've got knowledge, experience, research to back it up, yeah, absolutely, you can start helping people in prenatal education. You do not have to wait until you have RN behind your name. Frankly, it's not going to make much difference in how seriously people take you. That's not what makes people believe you and be drawn to you. It's your engagement with them, your encouragement, and actual information that you're providing. Well, Eddie says, Dan, I hope you and your family are doing well. In your last podcast, you mentioned how, in John Acuff's book, Quitter, the decades of our lives can be broken down into the 20s for learning, 30s for editing, 40s for mastering, and so on. This resonated with me because I'm 35 and recently realized I needed to start editing my life to bring my career into focus. So she talks about 
the things that she was doing. Super busy, spread too thin. Now she's narrowed down, decided she really wants to focus on painting. But her question is, how do I generate multiple streams of income without becoming overwhelmed again? I'm considering joining another gallery, taking portrait commissions, writing a how-to instruction book, or expanding my teaching to conferences. How do you determine what to prioritize? Well, those are great questions, Addie, and, and you're right on track there. I mean, being a visual artist, somebody who actually does painting as you do, you can get too myopically focused on just creating the content and not really have a plan for how to, how to monetize that. But you're doing a lot of things already. And I went quickly to your site, your art website, and you're doing events and classes. You have some of your work in a gallery. You have paintings on Etsy. You have prints available. I mean, you're doing a lot of things to leverage that really well. And that's exactly what you hear me talk about again and again and again, how to leverage your core message, give people different ways to experience it. And you can certainly do that as an artist. Yesterday, I was working with a lady. Her name is Shauna McGreevy. And you can find her set if you go to McGreevy. It's M-C-G-R-E-E-V-Y cakes.com. McGreevy cakes. Her cakes are the most stunning pieces of art I've ever seen. I mean, there's one in there that looks like a pot full of flowers. I mean, I would swear that it was a painting or even an actual photograph of a pot, but it's a cake. Everything you see is edible. I mean, her, her cakes are truly works of art. But what she's done to leverage that, rather than just trying to you know, do 10 cakes this week, which would be a monumental task and just be extremely labor intensive. She now has backed down to where she only agrees to do one cake a week. But at the same time, she's doing videos. She was just in Australia, did a video that's not going to be made available, you know, online for sale. She's going to Spain next month to do another video at a a real high-end cooking school where then the video will be sold and she'll share 50-50 in the revenue of that. She has affiliate links to tons of cake-making products through Amazon on her site. I mean, there's pages of you know, all the little spoons and measuring cups and things that she recommends that she uses, and those are affiliate links. I mean, she, and she's doing, of course, videos, speaking at conferences. Those are the ways that you leverage what you're doing. So when you say you're narrowing down to painting, you know, you can narrow down so you eliminate all the other things that aren't related to art that you were doing, like working at a library that you describe, but then you leverage your focus on art. I mean, I, I even like to see a focus in on one particular theme in your art. I mean, I have examples of that. I talk about the one I have here in my office where the artist, after having been a generalist and doing all kinds of things, focused in on doing only music themes in his art and that projected him to the top of his game where now you know major country music stars like marty stewart and then people like uh, martha ingram alan jackson others you know have to have a one of his pieces a Ron baldwin piece in their house because he's known as the guy he does nothing but art i mean music in his art pieces great question Troy says, Dan, I can't wait to hear the show you're planning on the topic of education. Incidentally, I'm going to do that next week. I'm going to do that where I talk about the changing face of education and what companies are really looking for in terms of education, education 
If you could see it, I would put it in quotations because the meaning of education has broadened dramatically from just being what degrees do you have? What are those initials behind your name that let us know you spent a lot of time sitting in a seat in the classroom somewhere? No, companies want to know what is your education? So anyway, yes, I'm going to be doing that um, next week. And Tony asked, have you heard of Berea College in Berea, Kentucky and what it does for its students? Here's some of the things that I think makes Berea, Berea special. Berea focuses on promising students with limited economic resources. Um, each Berea student is responsible for zero intuition, but each student is expected to work at least 10 hours per week at a paid on-campus job. Their academic programs are recognized nationally and internationally. They gave me some links there. It says, I'm proud to be an alumni of Berea College and would be proud and, and proud to be working here for a little over six months. You know, and looking at Troy's title, Troy is research and prospect manager in the college relations department. I can provide, I would love for you to know more about Berea College for your show on education. I can provide you any information you'd like, but you have mentioned on your show that you and Joanne are always looking for interesting day trips. I'd like to invite you to come visit Berea. I can set up a student-led tour of campus so you can hear and see what makes Berea different from a student's perspective. I can coordinate some visits to local arts and craft galleries to give you a feel of the community. I'd love to treat you and Joanne to a lunch at Boone Tavern where you can have maybe for the first time spoon bread, a local favorite. Well, Troy, I happen to have a long history with Berea College. I'm very familiar with Berea College. My mother-in-law went to Berea. She was a young mom, three children on welfare and decided she needed to break that cycle and do something. She went to Berea. My wife, Joanne, has very, very fond stories of being a little girl on the Berea campus. They lived in a, a Quonset hut. <laughs> this was a long time ago, but a Quonset hut uh, just had essentially plastic draped over, you know, iron rods and a dirt floor. I mean, it was very basic, but yes, Berea is a college that I truly admire their educational model. It's been a long time since we've been there. We used to go there for arts and crafts festivals at least once a year. Um, when we lived in Columbus, Ohio, it's a little farther away from us now living in Nashville, but yeah, I'd love to come back and visit Berea again. We need to do that. Thanks for the invitation. And I will definitely take you up on that. Well, this comes from Marissa who says, I've been running a portrait photography business for seven years and I love it. My two main focuses right now are family portraits and professional headshots especially for entrepreneurs. I'm looking for ideas to make my business more lucrative as well as how to outsource for help with marketing to my ideal demographic. If I could concentrate on photography, editing and blogging my work, the areas in which I excel while bringing in someone who knows how to market, I feel like my business would grow substantially and I'd be able to reach so many more clients to keep me busy. Love your podcast. I tune in for inspiration while I'm editing my photo sessions. Well, thanks, Marissa, for your, your note from Phoenix. This is a quandary that a lot of artistic people are confronted with. They know their craft. They know what it is they do well, but they struggle with the marketing side. I mean, that's why we hear about starving artists. Some people who are extremely talented as artists you know, don't know how to keep food on the table because they aren't used to the selling and marketing required. That's the most important part of any business. It doesn't matter how great your product or service until somebody sells something, you don't have a business. If you can't do that yourself, 
then certainly you're going to need to partner with somebody or some kind of systems that can make that happen for you. Now, that's kind of a tough issue because that being the most important part, you're then going to be vulnerable to whoever is who is doing that. And if it's not you, then you're really vulnerable to the person that's making it happen. Now, you can do that. And with it, if it's with photography or art or music, if you have an agent who is doing the marketing for you, you're going to give up a big share. You're going to give up 25 to 50% of the revenue to that person who's marketing it. That may sound like a lot, but as I asked Ron Baldwin, the artist who I mentioned a minute ago, when he started having an agent get his work out there and all of a sudden things that he was selling for $300, you know, now they're 10 and $12,000 pieces, but his agent is taking 50% of that. And he screamed bloody murder. He says, my gosh, I do all the work. This person just sells it and they get 50%. And I'm like, Ron, let's, let's do the math on this. Would you ever rather have 50% of $10,000 or a hundred percent of 300? <laughs> I mean, that's pretty easy to figure out. So an agent can do a lot of great work for you. Be prepared to pay heavily because the person selling is the one generating the revenue. So I'd encourage you to take advantage of the things you can do, if that's blogging or having your own shows, you know, talking to other people, you know, connecting with them, growing your Facebook audience. I mean, the things you can do yourself in just small snippets of time that doesn't need to detract from the, the primary work that you're going to do. And then if you want to engage with somebody who does more of the marketing, sure, explore, interview those people, interview four or five people, see who you think could do that really well, and then turn them loose and let them do that. Mike from Wellington, Florida says the company that I work for is going through a merger. Due to the reorganization, I was demoted and received a pay cut. In addition, I'm taking on somebody else's full-time duties, which will double my workload. After eight years at this company and being a paralegal, this is the final straw. It is now time to develop a plan to find a new career and company. I just ordered your 48 days to the work you love to start the process. I hear you talk a lot about the ability to transfer skills when somebody is interested in changing careers. How do I create a resume listing these skills without it sounding like a paralegal? I'm not sure what I want to do, but I know that I no longer want to be a paralegal. Thank you in advance for your help. Well, there, I've got a two part answer for your question, Mike, and great question. And yes, you can leave being a paralegal just as, uh, I mean, I've worked with a lot of people who are leaving dentistry or medicine or being pastor of churches or engineering or accounting. I mean, all those things are things where people wake up one day and say, I don't want to do this anymore. Doesn't mean it's the end of the road. You don't have to go back and start over when you're 18. You move right into something else that really does use those transferable areas of competence that you have. Now you can look at those. What are your strongest areas of competence? And you'll see that laid out in the 48 days book when you get that. So it's not just you're a paralegal. No, you're great with doing research, with organizing, with producing reports, with customer service, with speaking, with training. I mean, look at the things that really are true areas of competence that would have application in other industries and fields. However, here's the second part of my question. 
you really don't want to just list those. Now you can do a resume and you can do, you may want to do more of a functional resume as opposed to a chronological resume. So rather than just showing the, the work history where you've been a paralegal for years, no, have the first part of your resume, that first 30, 40 second look of your resume where it really shows your areas of competence. But you need to know before you put a resume out there, what your area of focus for the application is going to be. I mean, if you want to move into education or you want to move into real estate or construction, whatever it is, I mean, you need to know that in advance. So you are targeting. So you, your resume is a sales brochure for where you want to go. Don't just put it out there as a generalist and thinking, well, somebody else will figure out what you're a candidate for. No, that'll keep you at the bottom of the pop pile in terms of work opportunity and socioeconomically, you want to be very crystal clear and you now are a candidate to move into this field because you have these transferable skills. So you position yourself like that. Now, if you need to I mean, do, do the exploration, look inward, figure out what your skills and abilities are that are transferable. Look at what your personality skills are. I mean, are you very outgoing assertive gregarious social are you very introverted are you good with details or ideas or people or things i mean get a sense of what is unique about you from that you can then create a clear focus where you say wow work in this area would be a good fit for me then you put together a resume that positions you as a candidate to knock it out of the park in that area great question well scott says scott from hamburg pennsylvania it's been um, just a short year since we met at the first innovate, I replay your encouraging words from our conversation in my mind often. Thanks again for that blessing. Now here's the question. This is the one that has kind of a, a catch 22, a circular argument in it. That we need to unpack a little bit over the past week or so. I've heard the book E-Myth mentioned by you and quite a few others. So I thought I better finally read it. In as much as we talk about being in business for ourselves in the 48 days community, doing work that we love, Michael Gerber author of the e-myth seems to be saying that doing so is, is effectively not the right strategy. That is being a technician is something you can enjoy doing only after you've built a systematized business that doesn't require your presence. How can one start doing something that he loves realizing that it must not require his presence in order to be successful? This is a vexing conundrum. <laughs> now it, it does. Now here's, here's what Michael Gerber lays out. If you're going to open up a hamburger joint and six months later, you realize you're spending 14 hours a day grilling hamburgers and flipping cheese onto them and asking people if they want fries with that. You've just created a job for yourself. You don't really have a business. A business is defined as something that makes money, even if you're not there. Now there's nothing wrong with being self-employed. And a lot of people who are graphic designers or artists or bookkeepers or accountants have become self-employed by simply doing that work. When they walk out the door, there's no income. It stops. I want to move to the next quarter of the quadrant defined by Robert Kiyosaki and others as really having a business. And that means, yeah, this business would make money even if I was not there. Now, if I go back to my hamburger joint example, that means that you have systems that are so clearly laid out. You can have other people walk right into that little joint and do those things. And you can be 
taking a trip across the country and your business, in fact, continues to make money. What Michael Gerber talks about is a lot of people are technicians. I talked earlier about Shauna McGreevy, who makes these amazing cakes. She is a technician, so she's making the cake. That's her technical expertise. If that's all she's doing is just making cakes, she's trapped in working in her business and has no ability to step back and work on her business by doing teaching, creating other products, doing videos, and those kind of things. She's leveraging that. So she is building a business. What do I do as a coach? If I am a coach, I can work with people one-on-one, face-to-face, five days a week. I'm a coach. I've I've created a job for myself, but I really don't have a business, do I, in that example? It's only if I can take my core message of really helping people find their true talent and passion, turn that into meaningful work, how could I do that in ways other than just spending time face-to-face with somebody? Well, you've seen the kind of things that I've done, you know, eBooks, books, video programs, instructional manuals, you know, the podcast, the blog. I mean, there's a lot of things that I do that leverage that same message and things that create income in addition to just time that I spend one-on-one. Now, I've moved away from, I told you, Shauna has moved away from, you know, doing cakes every day. She only does one a week. At one time, I coached people five days a week. I mean, that's what I did. That's the primary thing that got me started. It was only over time that I was able to get those other streams of income going so that I was able to back down from five days a week to four to three to two to one. And at this point, I coach individuals usually about one day a month. That really relates to your question, Scott. That being, Michael says you can't really have an effective business until you have something that works, even if you're not there. That doesn't happen overnight. I know he kind of presents it that way, but it, it really takes place over a period of time. So at the beginning, it may seem like, yes, you are the technician. You are in there, you know, doing the work all the time. You're the only one. It's dependent on you. You're the technician. You, yeah, it starts like that. And I don't really think it's realistic to expect it not to be that way right at the beginning. But over time, sure, look for ways to leverage what it is that you're doing so it does go beyond just your personal efforts. And this is something that a lot of professionals deal with. I mean, dentists and chiropractors, people like that, where they think, wow, you know, am I a brilliant business guy? I walk out the door and my income's stops you know what is it that you can do that leverages that that continues to move your intellectual property your intellectual expertise continues to move that along anyway and we can do that i don't care if you're mowing yards or washing windows we can do that no matter what it is that you're doing look for ways to leverage that message next week i'll be speaking at launch conference michael hyatt and ken davis's event in orlando florida and that's going to be my part That's going to be my message. I'm going to be speaking primarily to Christian speakers, people who are getting their start in the speaking world. They get paid for speaking, but if you make $2,500 for a speech and speak 20 times, I mean, that's a pretty good starting point, but that's $50,000 a year. What if you want to make $150,000? Are there ways to do that without going to get a side job? Yeah, absolutely. Take your core message and I'm going to show you how to leverage that. That's the message that I bring to that audience and that I bring to a lot of audiences these days is how do you leverage your core message so that it does produce extraordinary income and give you 
income, open-endedness, and time freedom. Well, let me just bring this in here just real quickly. And they're a little louder than I expected. Sorry about that. Anyway, just to remind you that if you got a question, I'd love to review that for possible inclusion on an upcoming on-demand radio show here. If you just go to the 48days.com site, click on the podcast link, you'll see the little starburst there on the side. Sometimes people have a hard time seeing that. There's a little starburst that says, ask your question here. You can also do it just by leaving it verbally there if you want to, but or you can just shoot an email to askdan at 48days.com. All right, here's a question. After seven months at a job, my husband, that a job my husband adored, he was very unexpectedly fired. He was enjoying working in sales and now we're trying to find him a new job. But even with trying to effectively use our networks, he's kind of resorted to just applying to jobs on job boards. I don't know how to help him because I want to see him back on top of the world like he was with his last job. Jessica, well, if your job, if your if your husband was in a job that he adored and he was in sales, he's in a really good place. Sale sales is the most transferable skill we could talk about out there. It is the most desirable thing for any company in the world. Somebody who is effective at selling. So he really is in good shape. There is no lack of opportunity at all. I mean, there's not a company out there who doesn't want somebody who could effectively increase their revenue. Now, um, trust me, if somebody shows up here and says, Dan, I can add $100,000 to your revenue next year by you know selling these products, I'm going to say, go for it. Now, the caveat on that is if that person says, well, I want $65,000 as a guaranteed salary, you know, I'm going to say, well, nope, that's not going to happen. You know, I, I don't know enough about you and your background uh, to take that kind of risk where I pay you 65000 hoping that, in fact, you can produce 100000 in revenue. And a matter of fact, you know, that wouldn't even be a good ratio. I wouldn't want to pay somebody 65000 who only produced a hundred. That's not a reasonable re- ratio. If somebody's going to be paid 65000 they ought to produce $200,000 in revenue. Well, anyway, your husband if he is good in sales, now there's a couple things here that are pretty interesting in your question. Getting a job is a sales process in and of itself. You're selling a product and that product is you. In this case, your husband. So he has to view it as such. His ability to sell is going to be in his reflect is his ability to get job offers. If he really is good in selling, he ought to be able to get four job offers this week. But there's also another little piece there where you say that he's resorted to looking at job boards. That's a horrible place to find real opportunities. What he sees on job boards, 500 other people with better qualifications see the same thing. So you put yourself in a really big pool of high potential candidates. What you want is where you're up against maybe one or two other people for a position. And you do that by taking the initiative at contacting companies where you'd like to be involved. That's before they put anything on job boards, before they have postings about openings. That stuff doesn't matter at all. Anybody wants somebody who's going to add revenue to their team. He needs to choose the 40 or 50 companies 
that would be potential candidates where he'd really be excited about being involved with them right there in your local area and just start contacting them. That's the way you do a job search. Now, you said he's not much into reading, which breaks my heart, but um, I'm going to send you just a very short overview of the job search, the job search strategy. Now, that, it's on our site. Anybody can go there and find it. If you go to resources under the 48days.com site, you'll find the job search strategy. But I'll send that to you so it's very short. So it's not a book. I'd be happy to send you a book as well. But if he's not a reader, that's not going to help much. I'll send you just the section on how to do a job search. And believe me, I can absolutely 100% guarantee you that if your husband has skills in selling and he goes through that simple process, he's going to get multiple job offers very quickly. Matt says, Dan, thanks for your inspirational content. In 2012, I decided to make the change from engineer. I was an engineer for seven years to accountant, which required me to go back to school for a year and a half. I'm now four weeks away from graduation. Very excited to see what the future has in store for me. I plan on sitting and passing all four parts of the CPA exam this summer. I have one question I wanted to get your thoughts on. My wife and I decided that we wanted to move from Cincinnati to Nashville. Sounds like a great decision. However, I'm not keen on moving there unless I have a job lined up. And he says, I know you would move without having a job. Yep, absolutely. I'd go where I wanted to be confident. I could find plenty of job opportunities after I got there. Um, the challenge is that most firms recruit college graduates from schools in Nashville. I feel that maybe it's because I'm not physically present down there, but it's difficult with my schedule filled with classes and work. I have contacted two headhunters, but they want me to call closer to when I could start work. I believe that if I looked here in Cincinnati, I'd have something lined up already. I want to see what your thoughts are on how I should approach this situation. My wife and I have decided that if I haven't found anything by June, then I would need to start looking here to ensure that I have something lined up by August. Well, Matt, looking for a job in Nashville when you live in Cincinnati is no big deal at all. I mean, it really isn't. Now think about the interview process. You present yourself, you do the, the introduction letter, the cover letter and resume. Often there's a, a phone screening and then they line you up for an actual face-to-face -face interview. That's way down the process. I mean, that's way down the process when people have already decided, boy, you're somebody they want to really have a conversation with and explore that with. So you schedule that. You can say that, gee, I'm going to be in Nashville, you know, two weeks from now and like to schedule interviews on Thursday and Friday that week. People are going to work with that. It's not a big deal that you live out of, out of the city at this particular time. Not a big deal at all. So do your job search. But now the other thing is you don't need to start looking for a job until 60 days prior to when you could actually start working. So you don't look for a job now that where you're going to be available in August. That's, that's way too much lead time. I mean, if somebody wants you, they're going to want you before that period of time. So, but you can be confident. And, and yes, would I be comfortable with you as a CPA moving here without a job? Absolutely. I mean, a CPA is such a recognized certification qualification. I mean, th there's going to be tons of opportunities for you as a CPA here. So I don't think that's a big deal. But if you're uncomfortable with just moving here, you know, do your job search from where you are. I mean, my gosh, you can drive down here in, what, three hours from Cincinnati anyway, four hours maybe. Um, that's not even a, a difficult thing to 
you know, to schedule if you need to schedule it. But a lot of companies are, are they'll be very comfortable doing phone interviews with you or video Skype interviews with you. So don't think that's a deterrent at all. And don't continue to stay in Cincinnati just because, you know, you think it's complicated to find a job here. My goodness, my thing is you know, go where you want to be and then be confident there are opportunities there. And you can certainly do that with Nashville, Chicago, or Cincinnati. Mark says, my dream job is to create an outdoor television show that inspires families to explore their natural state parks. How do I make this idea profitable for an income? How do I approach potential sponsors with the idea? My goal is to make 50,000 so I can support my family and get out of debt. Another issue is that my wife, as awesome as she is, thinks that I should look into a real job, and I've thought about becoming a financial advisor. However, this is not how I'm wired. I would like to believe that following your dream is possible, but I'm having doubts and struggling to find ways to make my dream financially possible. Would you know of any resources that could help me with this issue? Thanks for all your inspiring work. Sure. Mark, don't think about the money first. No, this seems almost counterintuitive. We think, well, wow, if I'm going to do this thing, if I want to have a, an outdoor television show, you know, it has to generate money. Yeah, it does. But don't go there too quickly. Plan out what the ideal business would look like. Why would it be appealing to TV stations? Could you do 30-minute segments on local cable TV? Are you willing to speak at local events in conjunction with other things that are promoting outdoor adventures? And what other businesses are targeting the same audience? I mean, even look at things like Duck Dynasty. I mean, go there and start to get some ideas for how you could make this profitable. Look at all the things they're doing, all the different ways they have presence out there, and they have sponsorships. I mean, by the bazillions, the the things that I mean, you, it's hard to walk into any kind of a store with any kind of product line and not see a Duck Dynasty display at this point. I mean, they are masters at leveraging that brand. And that's another thing. It don't just be a generic outdoor show. Give yourself a unique name. So it, when people think of the brand, think of the name, boom, you're it. I mean, this is like if I say toothpaste, I mean, you can visualize in the grocery store and there's three aisles of toothpaste. But if I say you know, crest, boom, that narrows it down. That's a brand. That's somebody who really controls a big share of that market. You want to be the crest in this arena where when people say that, I mean, it's like what I've done with 48 days. I mean, I'm not just a career coach. If I say career coach, my gosh, you do a search for that on Google and there's going to be 11 million sites that come up with people who are career coaches. I'm probably in there somewhere, but I have no idea why, where, <laughs> why, but if you put in 48 days, man, I own that any day of the year. I own that. It's not through fancy SEO and all that. It's a topic for another day. But it's because I've branded. I'm the guy that says you can change your life in 48 days. That's what you want with your videos, your television show. It can inspire people to explore their state parks. If, in fact, you're going to drive traffic at state parks, they are potential sponsors for you. Look at the other kind of things. It could be an outdoor bag. It could be hiking equipment. It could be shoes, shirts, granola bars you know, energy drinks. I mean, all those things would be potential sponsors. Once you get an idea that's so compelling and so exciting that people are saying they want to be involved. Well, here's another one. Um, this comes from another Mike. Hi, Dan. I've recently had a small number of business, successful entrepreneur business owners come in to my wife and me in our social circle. 
Uh, they're in businesses ranging from restaurants to high-end web design to manufacturing. I may have an opportunity to sit down with some of these folks and talk about their path and maybe use that wisdom in my own pursuits. My question is, what questions do you ask when you get to talk to people at this stage in their life? Well, that's a great question. That's one I get a lot. I hear about that a lot. You want to make good use of that time with people who are farther down the success path than you. Don't just shoot the breeze or shoot from the hip. Now, this is one of my pet peeves in people you know, wanting to do interviews with me is that they come to the table and then it's like, well, gee, what do you want to talk about? My gosh, don't do that. Don't waste my time with just going to talk about whatever pops up. Have clarity on what it is that you're going to ask me. Well, and, and you can do the same with the people that you're talking about. So if they're people research their businesses and what they're doing, research what their interests are. I mean, I know people who have gotten interviews with Seth Godin and, um, Richard Branson, people like that, by knowing so clearly what those people are interested in. Talked to a guy in just in San Diego the other day who had a conversation with Richard Branson because he knows Richard Branson is really passionate about one particular issue. And going through just a greeting line where people were getting two seconds to shake his hand, he stopped, had a three-minute conversation that led to a, a multi-million dollar kind of deal because he knew in advance this is a hot spot with Richard, and I can get his attention by talking about that. That's what you want to do. So if you're going to get in front of successful people like that, I mean, when, when people talk to me, I mean, they say, gee, I, I hear you write about your background in Amish businesses. You know, how did that shape your own thinking, your own approach to businesses today? You know, I know you've authored, authored business books could you share a few key ideas on how to find satisfaction in worth? And then they may ask me something like, what kind of role do you see faith or spirituality playing in having a fruitful, rewarding career? Because they hear me talk about that. Uh, what are some of the typical challenges you see people encountering in today's economy? I would encourage you to do exactly that for your engagement with these people so that your time spent with these people is going to be productive. I mean, you don't have to have it so highly structured that it seems awkward, but know their business, know their interest, know the things that they're involved in with it, in ways that they're just giving back to the community. You know things that they care about. That's what leads to having meaningful conversation. Now, you can get into that quickly. I mean, just being a good listener, I, I had a conversation with a, a lady the other day, she's a gorgeous, gorgeous celebrity. I won't drop her name. But anyway, she said, you are so present when I talk to you. She said, you know, most people looking over my shoulder, they're seeing other people. She says, you're so personally present. And I, I take that as a compliment. That's something that I, that I do intentionally. If I'm talking to somebody, I'm not just looking over their shoulder, you know, or glancing at a text that comes in or seeing who I'm going to talk to next. No, it's that person only. You do that, people will be more than happy to talk to you. Hey, got a short clip here. You'll understand why. Are you ready to vacation with purpose? Join Dan and Joanne Miller and a host of great speakers on the Celebrity Silhouette for the Ultimate Advantage Cruise, the purpose and power of vital relationships. 
The Celebrity Silhouette embarks from Fort Lauderdale on February 15, 2015 for seven days and six nights. We hope to see you there. For all the details, including bonuses, booking information, and how you can cruise for free, go to 48days.com slash ultimate advantage cruise. What better way to kick off 2015 and give yourself the ultimate advantage? It's a beautiful You know, that's an example right there. Pierce Mars, which my buddy did that. Listen to what he used as background music. Now, <laughs> I didn't coach him on what to do at all. He did that just as an impromptu thing. I'm extremely grateful for doing that promo for our cruise coming up. And yes, check it out. The Ultimate Advantage Cruise. It's on our homepage on 48days.net. See it, click through. We're going to have an amazing time. We've got people scrambling to get the, the rooms that we've got booked. We'd love to see you there. But Pierce used It's a Beautiful Day by U2. Now, anybody who's listened to me very much knows that's the ringtone on my cell phone. It's a beautiful day. Great way to uh, do something that is going to connect with me. Well, hey, connect with us. Let us know what you're doing. Remember, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. You know that. If you're ready, nobody can stop you from learning. It's just going to happen. You have the right mindset. You're going to join this amazing group of people who are, in fact, finding or creating work that is meaningful, fulfilling, purposeful, and profitable. 